Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And uh, I saw Robert Fraser last night, first time ever. I saw that, and uh, the first thing I thought was, "Hey, I'm Pete, I'm Pete Mitchell," and then he goes, "And I'm Robert Fraser," and I'm thinking, That's "He's replacing he me." He goes, "He goes, we got to start it the same way you start the podcast." I was like, "Oh, okay." We, we were so for everybody who doesn't know, Robert and I recorded a little video after we met, and uh, we actually recorded it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can pass that on to Brooks and tell him to throw it up if he wants. Is like a yeah, little yeah two minute. You know, whatever. You know what was missing in that video, though? Uh, Peyton? Me. Yeah. 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 It, 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 I would say it would make it better, but I hate myself on video, so I'm pretty sure it would make it worse. But, uh, but hey, man, uh, I mean, how was how was Robert in the flesh? Was it, was it everything you hoped it would be and more? Well, what I found out about Robert is uh, he prefers to go by Bobby. He does. And I, but I can't like all I've ever known Whoa. him as is Robert Frazier. Yeah. It, all, so like he, when he goes, this is Bobby Frazier. I'm like, Bobby, who, yeah. who's Bobby? Yeah. He, he, he often Bobby. says, Hey, all my friends call me Bobby. And I'm like, that's cool, Robert. We're going to get into this. We got a big topic today. We got a, a topic that I'm actually a little bit concerned about. It's definitely going to take us out of a PG rating and put us in. Yeah, the, you're going to have to tell Brooks. He's got to market his. Yeah, uh, uh, he'll know. It's got a content warning. What, what do they call it? Uh, uh, parental. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what it is, but he, uh, I can't even remember the word. It's like a e. content warning or a, um, a um, I don't know, mature audience or something. I don't know. Yeah, but guys, if you do have kids in the car and you're listening to this in front of your kids, um, you're probably going to want to turn it off because we're going to talk about a contemporary issue that is not for young people. So I just that's a through the word in me coming out right now because some some parts of the Bible you got to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
especially in Leviticus, like, uh, we're not going to talk about it. If you got kids listening today for D- Devo, take it off. Dude, but, all I can uh, say is anybody who thinks the Bible is some G-rated book has not read the Bible. Correctamundo. Oh, it is not. It's, it's got literally every single bad thing you could possibly imagine. It's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, here's the deal, man. I I want to talk about um, OnlyFans and... You know, I first time I heard of it, and and here's the thing: I really I've never been on it. I wouldn't be ashamed to tell you guys I've been on it. Um, I, I guess I would be ashamed, but I mean, I I would tell you. But here's the deal: um, somebody mentioned it the last time I was in Wales, and Andrew and I didn't know what they're talking about. And then um, the person explained it. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, it's like, uh, I'm trying to remember, they used to have like late night TV where that stuff was on there. Then <clears throat> this week, it came up three times. I saw it come up on a, someone made a joke. I heard it on, when I was in the car on the news, uh, someone gave a news story about it. Um, there were just three, four, and it wasn't like I was anywhere I shouldn't have been on any kind of, um, uh, social media or something that I shouldn't have. Been. It just, I can't remember how it all came up. It, it kept coming up. Someone cracked a joke about it. And I thought, man, this, this just keeps coming up. I think somebody mentioned an award ceremony and I'm thinking, man, this is, this is culturally like pandemic level. And I say pandemic because it's, it's a disease and you and I talked and, you know, you, you haven't been on it either, but you were like, yeah, man, this is what it is. Like, I didn't know. Cause I, I made this statement to you. I don't know if it's like full blown porn or what it is, but the same rules apply to porn. Uh, but, but I see this as a little more insidious. And I think because I don't know that much about it personally. Um, it's not getting talked about. And so that made me think, okay, the way that Satan works is he will always try to keep uh, things hidden. And he'll try to keep you with things hidden, things in darkness, not drag things out in the light where you know, they, they can be healed or forgiven, or you could be restored or repent. So this is kind of my motive for bringing this up because some of you out there, maybe you're new to the podcast or you're, you know, you listen, you, you haven't tracked with us all 500 episodes where we've talked about everything from trafficking to, uh, pornography, to exorcisms, to, you corruption in the church, mishandling of finding. We've talked about all that on the church planner podcast because you have to engage with culture as a church planner. And don't think for a second that you're going to be dealing with any youth who don't know what it is, or you're not going to be um, coming across this either yourself or people in your church. Uh, you will be in a, in a marriage counseling meeting where the couple uh, is talking about divorce, probably because of what has been found out uh, about a gentleman. Like, and I'm just going back to what I've known for decades being in ministry over pornography. You know, I remember when the internet like became a thing, 
It was like overnight. Everyone's like, oh my gosh. And the church didn't talk about it, right? Decades later, tons of people, tons of ministers addicted to pornography in their church, hiding it, having a secret lifestyle. And we have to talk about this. I, I would say from what I know, just the little things I picked up on this week and, and a couple people I talked to, this is more insidious than just straight up pornography. It's worse. And you, Pete, I know you and I talked about this a little Why bit. Why do you think it's beforehand. worse? For the reason you brought up um, prior to our call, for the same reason that I, as a father of daughters, and I'm I'm sure there's men on there too, but it to me, it's that get rich quick thing. Yeah. All you have to do is take your clothes off and get in front of a camera in your bedroom, and you can start making money. This is what terrifies me about the world we're about to step into. And, and I say the world we're about, this is still relatively young. Um, I don't know how many years it's been up and running, but it, it's relatively young. I've got to guess it's somewhere around five to 10 years old. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't come to me quick, but I'm no rude and I'm no stranger to talking about it. To me, it's like, let's get it out. Let's talk about it. Church ought to be the place you can talk about this stuff. And church planner, on the cusp of engaging culture, let's talk about why it matters. Um, I'll first give a few comments um, generally. Number one, um, sexuality. I was about to say sexuality. Uh, Sexuality is the battleground right now. Do you Um, remember that, man? What, what was chocolate. It? <laughs> chocolate. Like, you... <laughs> hey, way to way to lighten the mood for a moment there because it's getting kind of heavy. Is it getting steamy in there? Is it just me? <laughs> but here's the deal, right? Um, it, Paul says all other sins a man commits outside of his body, right? Um, but but sexual sins are. They're they're interesting because Paul says, okay, number one, if you if you go into prostitutes and Paul just knows, hey, this is happening in Corinth with Christians. I mean, when you have to write to Christians not to go to prostitutes, you have a problem with Christians going to prostitutes. And in the scripture, God brings it up, deals with it. Paul was no prude. He he dealt with it. Um, and, and I actually think we ought to deal with it with our con- congregations. We ought to talk about this kind of stuff because otherwise you're leaving everybody to, uh, struggle on their own out of shame. And, um, <laughs> I don't think it's bad for a wife to look at her husband and say, are you, have you been to only fans and have that conversation? I also don't think it's it's wrong for a husband to look at his wife and say, "Have you been OnlyFans? You know, are are you looking at pornography? These are important conversations, and they're. I actually think for a husband and wife, these things need there needs to be a, a relationship and discussion of trust. Like, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to tell you this. I have learned if because I don't look at pornography. It's not a part of my life. Um, it, it's been a long time since. I have looked at pornography. Um, it wasn't a big part of my life, but I grew up with it in my house. Years later, I looked at, at something, a couple things. Andrew and I talked about it, and I've kept my nose clean. But here's the thing. 
when you get into temptation, your spouse is one of the greatest weapons in your disposal. Being able to go to your spouse and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Um, I've been getting, like, I'll tell Andrea, because those thoughts don't go away. You know, the temptations don't go away. The, the problem isn't that you have desires, like C.S. Lewis said. It's that when you think your desires for sexual things are too strong, he says the actual problem is your desires aren't strong enough. Those are replacement for the actual desires you have. Maybe you have longings for fulfillment or you have a uh, you have a greater desire God made you for, and Satan is taking a counterfeit and trying to put that in there. And, and so C.S. Lewis was like, the desires for God or for holiness or for these other things aren't strong enough. And so what it's not a crime. Like, you know, maybe some guys are are too ashamed to go to their wife and say, hey, I'm a human like everyone else. You know, I do get tempted about these things. But it's actually one of the most powerful things because when I'm coaching or counseling or discipling a young man, I'll tell him, hey, uh, to try to pretend you don't have those desires is, is not going to help you. And to try to pretend in front of your spouse that you don't have them is not going to help her or you. You have to go in front of them and say, hey, <laughs> remember how we talked about how I'm very human? Um, I've been getting tempted. And, and it's super powerful to do that early and to do it before you look, um, to go to them. And almost every time, man, when that that fog, that haze that you're in and temptation where it's like you can't see clearly, you can't think, it's like the sun comes out and burns it away. The second you draw that thing, you drag it out into the light, it's like you tell your spouse and it's broken. You see, the occult, which means hidden, is how Satan likes to work. There's a reason that we associate that term with Satan. Satan likes to hide like a spider in the darkness. And I told you I didn't want to do this podcast before because for me to talk about this and expose Satan, I know that I'm going to get hammered for doing this podcast. I just know it. So for me, um, I have learned to drag that temptation to get it out in the air, get it out, out in the light, and then it dissipates. It's broken. And it's one of the coolest things. That's why it says, confess your sins to one another. It is such a powerful strategy for holiness. And um, I mentioned that sexuality is the battleground. Um, it, it, oh, interrupt me if you... Well, no. oh, oh, I thought you were going to look look like you are going to say something. But... No, I was taking a deep breath. I was like, here we go. <laughs> no, right? This is a heavy topic. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, I'm a little bit wary because when you put this stuff out on the internet, you you know, it's, it's vulnerable. You're like, okay, I, I don't know how this is going to be used, but this is the deal. When Lonnie Frisbee was dying, he shared all of his junk, right? Um, now there's a lot of accusations about Lonnie that are true. There are a lot of accusations that are untrue. Lonnie is the best source of what Lonnie did and when. And he talked very openly and freely about his 
sins, about his You might need to just tell everyone who Lonnie Frisbee is for those who are new to the podcast and don't know. Yeah, that's a good call. Lonnie Frisbee was the guy that during the Jesus movement was used apostolically to catalyze. Like he, he was so anointed of the Holy Spirit. Well, he had come from same sex attraction, um, uh, addiction, like all that kind of stuff as a hippie. Um, and when he came to Christ, those things went away and he, he would tell it as part of his testimony that, you know, I was sleeping with other men and yada, yada. And then, but he could tell, like, this is not welcome. Like, once he went, you know, some 1970s in the church, 60s, 70s, people were like, nope, you know, so he dropped that part of his testimony. He got married to a young girl named Connie. And um, years later, he um, he was used to catalyze Calvary Chapel. He was used to catalyze Vineyard. He was used to, to catalyze something down a Florida big discipleship movement. And eventually, um, he spun out and I won't go into his story and what have you, but his wife cheated on him with one of the leaders in Florida and he spun out a bit, but later he came back to ministry and towards the end of his life, um, he said that the generations coming after us, um, sexuality is going to be the battleground. And here's why Satan, um, goes after sexuality in the same way that I mentioned about Paul, where he said, all sins are connected. You know, man commits with his body. There's something about the sex act that is a uniter. The two become one flesh, it says, right? Um, they're not only do they make uh, another human being without contraception, there's also something spiritually that happens um, when two people uh, sleep together. It's why the morning after is so awkward, according to people. I've, I've never slept with anyone but my wife. But the whole idea that, you know, the morning after I've talked to people say, oh, it's so uncomfortable because there's something spiritual that just took place. There was an interchange on a deep level that was meant to be for life. Like animals who mate for life, humans were designed to mate for life. So the, there's this this. Things spiritually, like when Paul says, you've united Christ to a prostitute. First time I read that, it, it like sent a shiver down my spine. Like, whoa, like that was a shock jock statement when Paul said it. Something deeper is going on. When Paul says sexual sin is not like all, all other sin, um, when you hurt a child sexually and violate a child, you screw them up for the rest of their life, which is why Satan is always after kids. It's why he's always after through Hollywood and all the filth that's being peddled. He's he's out to destroy children sexually at a, at a young age. And he can perpetuate that and create not only victims, but victimizers through that cycle of abuse. And so what happens is um, with, with the things like gender confusion, um, LGBTQ, which... I will always say we must lead out with compassion and love for people in those communities. However, however, we need to recognize why Satan is going for this so strong. Um, male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In his image, he created them. Um, 
part of God's image in us, and this is the part that we maybe don't realize, God is a trinity. We are a duality. A human human beings, the image of God is not male and it's not female. It's male and female in a relationship together. That's how, not even, well, God is the perfect whole if you put the two halves together. No. We worship a God who is a trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. Equal, yet distinct. One, <laughs> yet in some way separate. The Trinity is a mystery. And when Paul talks about a man and woman, he says, I am speaking, when he speaks of husbands and wives, of the mystery of God in the church. I behold, I speak a mystery. There is something mysterious about a man and woman that portrays the image of God through our sexuality and through our gender differences, which come together in relationship as male and female. So when we see same sex, uh, gay marriage between men or women, what we're actually seeing is a distortion of the image of God. And Satan knows this. And because of that, sexuality is the battlefield. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't see what the... Listen, we're now in a position in the church where... All of us have a loved one or good friend who is either gay or lesbian or something else. And so what's very good about that is that the church went from ridiculing it, mocking it, attacking it, to now saying, oh, there's some love lines here. I know and love people. And this talking about LGBT, but what I'm saying is make no mistake that the battlefield has been chosen around sexuality because it is the deepest part of us on a human plane of existence. The highest joy that a human being can get or the sensation of joy is climax, sexual climax, which then becomes a metaphor for euphoria or all of these. Like these things are not on accident. And do not forget that when God created us, we had one job. He had one job, Adam and Eve, one job. Fill the earth. He blessed them. And he said, multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth. Why? Because as male and female come together in relationship, not, not in androgyny, but in relationship, we're a picture of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinitarian God, a God who exists as a relationship, a unity, one, yet three, total mystery. Through this relationship, we will multiply his image bearers. Those who all they had to do was just draw a breath from second to second to glorify God. And God says, fill the earth with more of you. Now, this is pre-fall. <laughs> and now we have the Great Commission which fills the earth with God's glory through evangelism, right? But prior to the fall, all we had to do is reproduce. Stop and think about that. The key to glorifying God was sexually reproducing. This is the power of our sexual identity and the capacity of our sexual dynamics. This It's all connected. See, the Hebrews didn't separate 
body and soul. It was all together. That's why even when Christ comes back, uh, he says, we'll be neither male nor female in heaven. However, our oneness will be shared with God himself. And I don't mean that in a Buddhist way. I mean that that there will be an, an us. Somehow we will all be one with God in a way that we weren't free fall, right? So all of that to say that the sexuality is you can start to see what Satan is getting at. He's looking to take the most precious thing of these young girls, their sexuality, the most precious thing they have to give to a man, um, and the same thing a man has, the most precious thing he has, the most precious gift he has is his sexuality, his his security in valuing only her and and not spreading a seed everywhere else, but investing into her, her body, heart, soul, mind, spirit, her uh, like everything about her when he sees her not just as a young, attractive female girl, but then he sees her as a wife. He sees her as a as a as a mother, and vice versa. The the female who uh, now doesn't just see him as a beefcake with six pack abs or you know uh, eye candy. She now sees him as he is my stability in the home. He is my uh, the father to my kids. Like all these things. These are this is all how God designed this relationship to be, and it becomes a picture of the relationship we have with God. And so Satan at a young age is taking these young girls and he is telling them, and I'm I'm assuming it's mostly girls because I think, I know that girls like to look at men, but I know that men like to look at women and I, I I don't know what the ratio is and how much it is back and forth. I know women are visual. That was a whole myth back in the church when they say, well, men are visual, unlike females. No, that that's a that's a bunch of hoo-ha. The reality is both are visual. But here's the deal. What we're doing is we're teaching young women to think of themselves as all you are valued for is what's on the outside. We are acting like people have no soul. What is the damage done to this girl's self-worth? All right. What happens when she she only has worth when she has a tight young body? What, what are we saying when she begins to age or gravity wins or she gets a little older now? We're actually telling her she has no value. And years ago, it came out that um, the I can't remember what the name of that website was where they released all. Oh yeah, name. Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison, and many pastors fell that day. Right, many many people's names were public that were in public ministry, and I would imagine, not knowing how OnlyFans works, I don't know if you see other people on there, if you can see other people, if it's like a chat room, but what I can tell you is eventually something will happen, you know, whether even the, who's to say that um, these young girls, when society's done with them, when OnlyFans doesn't pay out anymore, they end up in your church. They end up, you know, 
They see you streaming your service and think, well, that's an interesting way the tables turn. You know, here you were watching my stream. Now I've come here for answers and I'm watching yours. And we've met before. Like, you got to stop and think about that. That's that's horrific. And <laughs> um, it reminds me of uh, Carl Lentz. You know, when he was this public figure and he was trying to have this secret relationship and it came out who he was, he said he told the girl, you know, I just manage, uh, you know, celebrities. And really what it was is he was supposed to be discipling Justin Bieber. He wasn't managing celebrities. Mm -hmm. He was discipling celebrities. But he had, an, a, you know, I, but for the grace of God, there go I. And I don't, I don't want to hate on anyone for their sin. But what I'm saying is we're in a world now where that's not even possible anymore right? Your anonymity, if you're going to end up in some kind of online thing, you, you you need to be really careful because people can release a list at any time of anybody doing anything. And so uh, what I'm more concerned about is that we are in a war and people need to wake up that we're in a battle. We're in a war and we need to fight. We need to fight this war because society if if I'm on this side of the line, I need to stay on this side of the line. I need to not be running over to the enemy's camp and going, well, what are you guys eating? <laughs> this is, you know, I heard you had better food over here in this war. And, you know, I know I'm on the other side, but I'd like to come over here and eat meals with you guys if I could. And I don't mean we're warring against non-believers. What I'm saying is, oh, gosh. I the whole culture war um, discussion. I don't want to prop that up at all and say that we're in the culture war that people think we are between left and right, Democrat, Republican. That's not the war. The war for us is the kingdom of God against the kingdom of of darkness, and in that war, the weapons of our righteous, the weapons of righteousness, Paul says. Um, Paul says, um, do not give the members of your body um, to, to, to these desires of the flesh, but submit them to the Lord, yield them to the spirit that they would be. And he says, weapons of righteousness, holiness. Spurgeon was a one that said, a holy minister is a powerful weapon in the hands of God. And you you guys know I'm free Methodist, right? So we we put great stock not on pharisaical holiness, but we put great stock in surrender. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to God, putting to death therefore the members of your body that you do not gratify the desires of the sin nature that nothing may have mastery over you. Like we have to be those that are set free so that we can set others free. And that's my passion in this. If you're hearing a passion, it's that I believe we've come into a generation like judges where in those days, each one did what was right in his own eyes because they have computers and they can. But where mm. are the judges? Where are the... No, hold on, go back to that line. Because I think you just described... The whole trolls on the internet as well. Yes. Because we can, right? We yeah. got a computer and I can hide with my anonymity and no one knows it's me that's telling you whatever hogwash I'm telling you online. Yeah. 
because of yeah. our anonymity or Absolutely. you know perceived anonymity yeah yeah i mean and and this is it it is the perceived anonymity but but it's interesting right because years ago a book was written called um i think it was called practical atheism um where you you say like hey theoretically i'm a christian i I theoretically believe there's a God who watches my every move and, um, you know, but are you a practical atheist? Do you live like there's not a God who, and, and here's the thing, and I don't just mean who watches you and says naughty, naughty. I mean, do you believe right now that there's a battle raging around you? There are angels that God sends to minister you do you believe scriptures like god provides a way out of temptation so that we're not tempted beyond what we're able god always opens a door provides a way out like these are scriptures that are there for a reason and paul's a veteran he's been in more scraps with satan than you and i will ever understand i mean when you're going into a town where the chief religion is prostitution we got nothing on paul paul lived this stuff and and like I said, he had to he had to dress. Paul was no prude. Paul knew this. He was in those. He's walking around Athens. The you know he's he's walking around Ephesus. He lives there three years. That's like living on the strip in Vegas, right? They're slaughtering people in the square. Prostitutes are walking outside naked, trying to entice men to come in. People were having sex right on the street to try to entice more customers. Paul saw pornography. He he knew this stuff. He had to deal with this stuff. And yet he writes to us about being filled with the Spirit and yielding to God. He he wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, well, Paul didn't know. Oh, he knew. And things were a lot worse in the pagan Roman world than they are here. But you mentioned the anonymity of a screen, you know, and that's that's where I think it really matters is righteousness has been given to us by Jesus. Like you were just made righteous, whether you've looked at this or been on OnlyFans or not. You've been made righteous as if you haven't done a thing. I think a lot of people struggle with that first off. But Paul says in Titus, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and not live according to our passions. Um, The grace is the most powerful thing. But but, But there's kind of like this thing where as transformative as God's grace is that you know God is always with you, always for you. So the guilt part of temptation, like that's the first thing Satan does, right? He just hits you with all this guilt. You're a sucky Christian. You're this. You're getting tempted. You're you're dirt. You're trash. You're nothing. You're getting tempted by only like I even said to you. I don't know if I want to do this because if people were like me before this week, not not really aware of OnlyFans, that I don't want to make them aware. So if you're here and you're like, oh my gosh, you kind of need to be aware. But I've not been to the website. I don't think you need to know like where Paul says we won't even speak of. Some of the things done in darkness. We don't need to know everything. All knew enough, but he's like, there's just some things we're not going to talk about. So we're not going to go into any detail. But I believe that every young person in your church knows. And um, 
I believe that many parents are finding out that their kids know and they're getting an education. I would love to be preemptive. I would love for us to talk about this, drag it out, talk to young people about it. Everything that I just said at the beginning to start to shape their thinking, right? Repentance means to change your mind, to be able to see people the way God sees them. Um, it's You won't get people to change their life until they first change their mind. And they're able to, to, to see, you know, these young girls, like, Stop and think. This is this is how I think of it. I always think to myself, these young people that are out there doing that, they need Jesus, and this is going to chew them up and spit them out. They're either going to end up on drugs, they're going to end up living with tons of shame, or they're not even going to know what shame is anymore, and we're going to have sociopaths. And these people need Jesus. And I think Jesus, when he looked at the prostitute, like, like Mary Magdalene, uh, the chosen made her like, you know, I think a lot more fleshed out to people. I, I don't quite picture Mary Magdalene like the chosen did, like she was this crazy woman with dreads. I think her demons only came out like often people when they actually encounter the Holy Spirit or Jesus. I think they were, they were behind the scenes. Um, many people that are in that lifestyle are, they're tracking with stuff. They they have friends that have moved in, um, people that are doing extremely evil things. And when they come to Christ, that often gets dealt with. Um, things leave them. Um, things come out. Uh, and I know I'm talking like a crazy person here, but um, but I don't think we need I think we need reminding that there's something sinister and demonic behind all of it. And if you could see it, if you could have the veil torn away for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you wouldn't go back on one again. If you could see the blueprints of what Satan's trying to accomplish and why sexuality, child trafficking, porn, why these are all the biggest businesses, why it's it's so widespread and no one talks about it, it's because this like Lonnie Frisbee said, is the the enemy's master stroke. And we need to wake up. We need to start fighting. We've done uh, podcasts on uh, pornography. And I, Pete and I, at the very beginning, I was like, man, we would just say all the same stuff we said about how to get set free from porn. We did a whole thing on that. We've talked about that a couple times. But it's one of those things where I, I honestly think we, you know, we've kind of taken on like a, a, um, contemporary issues aspect of this podcast in a weird way post-COVID. Like we've been grappling with culture like never before. But I honestly think this is one of the most important cultural things for us to grapple with. But we have to understand why. Like it, to me, until you understand, until your mind changes, your life doesn't change. You will continue to look at porn until you Start to see these things. Right thinking, like Lloyd-Jones says, leads to right living. Wrong thinking leads to wrong living. And our culture right now is pulling a number on us, telling us, oh, yeah, this girl, she's just about her backside. You know, like the the famous, I don't remember what family it was on TV. She's all about her backside. That's her identity. Um, you're, you're, you're not, your identity is not wrapped up in your body. 
is something much deeper. And we've got to start fighting back against that. So anyways, well, I know we're out of time, but. Did, did you even want me to talk on this episode? Sorry. I, I, oh, I did a couple of times, you know, I, I paused, drew a breath every once in a while, but. Yeah, no, I would just say what I want, what I think you're trying to say and what, you know, you want people to understand, because there's, there's two aspects to this that we're kind of addressing. One is from the viewer side. And the other is how it's, how it's become a cultural phenomenon as a way to make money for the average Joe. Yeah. Right. You know, whereas porn back in the day was, you know, the, the CD, you know, Hollywood, it was, it was always in California is where most of it was, was done. Right. And, and now it's literally everybody with their cell phone. And, and then it's like, well, you know, it's probably, I would imagine, I don't know this, but I would just imagine it's the dude going, Hey, you know what, why don't we video ourselves this time? (laughs) Cause I mean, I don't think, I don't know, maybe some girl does say that some dude, but I could just see a dude saying that to some chick and then let's pay the rent. Hey, you know, what if we, what if we did an OnlyFans thing and we started putting this stuff out there and, you know, cause that's what it is. And, and that's what these uh and i think the addiction is to the money side of it right and they think they're empowering and oh look at me i'm powerful now you know this isn't some hollywood guy making all the money this is me making all the money but right but but yeah i mean that's the whole and we're in a you know i'm getting ready to write an article actually where i talk about the times that the church has grappled with culture in a way that's been really um, transformative and 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 right where there there is a culture war. Don't get me wrong, but it's maybe not the battleground we think it is. Um, in uh, Augustine or Augustine, as Americans often call him, um, he wrote a book called The City of God. Actually, kind of defining this whole cultural war. We talked about the city of God that comes down the new Jerusalem, comes out of heaven and establishes itself on earth, the kingdom coming with the kingdom of men, the city of men. So it was called the city of God, classic work of Augustine's. But then, you know, fast forward, you got C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And he does deal with the sexuality issue, funny enough, as one of the lectures he gives on, on the radio waves. But C.S. Lewis felt prone. Like, I have to go address my culture. Um and then uh, Martin Luther King Jr., um, Tim Keller, writing for the for the New York Times, a column every week. Like we're actually in an in an age where um, we've got to stop thinking about my little church. I'm using social media for my church. I'm using it to get you to come in. Oh, I'm so excited about Sunday! You know that always bothers me. No, you're not. You're trying to tell me to come to Sunday. Just ask me to come. Right. Stop telling me you're so excited about Sunday. You do the same thing every week. You can't be that excited about it every week. It's it's not that exciting. Um, coming hearing you speak is not that exciting. I hate to tell everyone that, but hey, you're talking to a guy who believes in APES and it's more than just a sermon on Sunday. It's interactive and everybody's gifts. It ought to be. Then I'd be excited. But the reality is we, we use social media again just to get numbers into the church. Why don't you start addressing the culture? Why don't why don't you start a 
apologetically. I mean, I'm apostolic. So everything I just mentioned about like Augustine, C.S. Lewis, that's all apostolic activity where it takes the kingdom of God and seeks to infiltrate right beyond the boundaries and frontiers of the church and says, yes, let's, let's infiltrate the kingdom of darkness. Let's go get some captives. Let's steal people out. But it starts with that message. Where is Mars Hill today? And what are they talking about? Mars Hill today is the internet 3.0. And I love what Chesley Lundy told me yesterday. He's going to be speaking for us at uh, Exponential during our track, telling people how to do digital church. But he goes, fact is, we're in internet 3.0, and the church just discovered internet 2.0, and they're still trying to figure that out. I thought that was one of the, the best statements mm. ever. But here's the deal. 3.0, Internet 3.0, that's that's Mars Hill. And the topic that I heard three times in pop culture, news articles, and conversation was only fans. And it made me stop and say, all right, Lord, why has that come up three times today? And on my way in to record this podcast this morning in the car, heard a radio DJ giving a news story about, guess what? Someone on OnlyFans. Hmm. And I'm thinking, man, this is this is heating up. This is becoming mainstream. And let's engage. Let's go to Mars Hill and let's start talking about what they talk about and what they're interested in. For Paul, it was the unknown God. For us, we got stuff to talk about that would blow their minds. Well, let's talk about it. So, hey, sorry. That's my uh, my rant over. But uh, if you do uh, listen today and you say, you know what, I'm actually looking at this stuff and I'm, I hear what you're saying and Peyton, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of it. Um, join my program for $29.95. No, I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's why we can't have nice things. Um, go scroll back through our old episodes. You'll find a few episodes where we talk about porn head on and how to get unstuck. So we want to thank you for listening. And uh, Pete. Where can they go if they want to join you in Mission by Business? Well, you can check out missionbybusiness.com. And I got a great little uh, video there that'll walk you through our whole program. And uh, then if you want to chat afterwards, it'll give you an opportunity to get on my calendar and we can talk. All right. Well, guys, head on over to newbreedtraining.com slash making disciples. If you want to join our cohort, which kicked off last week, it's still not too late. We are going to be on week two of Making Disciples. With that, guys, want to thank you for listening. Want to thank our sponsors, uh, Simplify Church. Still with us. Check them out if you have bookkeeping needs. Are they sponsors now? They, are you just throwing that in there? Yes. No, I've, I've been talking to Josh. But any guys, anyways, guys, we just want to thank you for joining us. Remember, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.